0: I actually think he's been terribly harsh. I think Ross Wilson's done a good job. So. Um
1: <laughs>
0: My name is Chris i and welcome to Just Fucking Went on Saturday at Three. On this episode, we'll be previewing Rangers' trip to the capital as they take on Hibernian at Easter Road this Wednesday evening. Joining me to do this is Dave. Dave, how you doing, mate?
1: I'm alright, mate. I'm good.
0: Yep, yep. You starting to feel the positivity again? Or are you still in the dumps, down in the dumps?
1: The dumps? Uh, I'm, I've decided pending changes at board level. I'm just a 90-minute on now. I'm not going to think about it outside games. I'm just going to go, pay my money, turn up, watch a game and become a happy clapper. That seems to be the only, the only option for my sanity at the minute. Probably
0: the best way, mate, uh, So
1: there's a,
0: there's
1: a bit of a packed episode
0: uh, on the horizon here. We've got a few things to discuss. Obviously, the Hibs game um, in itself will be a bit about Hibs. Press conference, the lack of television for this game. Lee Johnson had a few comments to make, and of course, uh, breaking news this morning was Stuart Gibson gave an interview to this is Ibrox. Uh, So I will be quite a bit to go through. It's not just going to be a run of the mill standard uh, preview for a shitty SPFL Premiership game, uh, which essentially what it is in isolation. But obviously, with Rangers being Rangers, there's always news that we can we can talk about, and it keeps people like me and you, Dave uh chatting a lot of shit. so aye and, and depressing each other as well so I think that's a, I think that's an important point
1: aye but say not anymore mate I'm just going to be an 80 minute on now I'm not concerning myself with anything although I will have a good one tonight I was going to say I'll drag you back in by the end just... <laughs> I'm going to get dragged by totally just when I thought I was out
0: um so we'll start with press conference Anto- Antonio Cholak and Michael Beale. Cholak never really said anything uh of note really your standard sort of kind of player coming back from injury uh, press conference he said it was very important to win after a disappointment it was important for me to get the 90 minutes as a team we showed really good things on the pitch in the first half Uh, he also wanted to say I want to bring my qualities to the pitch every time it is always about the team result. The gaffer wants us to have good combinations up front. We can create a lot of chances. This is what the gaffer wants from me, to be connected in the game. When you're injured, it is always difficult to return. The boys went on a good run of uh, good run of form during this time. I've been working hard. You have to deserve every minute you get. I always want to start every game. The gaffer expects every player to give everything on the pitch, the best version of yourself in every training session. This is also why I demand of myself. I think I can get back to the. Uh, I think I can get back to scoring goals with my quality. We know we still have a lot of hard work to do it's not enough only to have a good first half the gaffer demands a performance for 90 minutes you can see that again antonio with new ideas from the gaffer you adapt to every game and every situation i want to be the best version of myself and perform at my best level i want to run hard and add assists and in addition to scoring goals you have to be patient and work hard when not involved the most important thing is i'm now fully fat and good to go every day in training you have to earn the shot of rangers so i Dave, just what I said, pretty much standard press conference, nothing really noteworthy to take out of that. Um, I think what I will take away from that is he says he's feeling fully fit now. I think we've seen at the weekend probably his best performance since he came back from his injury because I have to say the performances from Cholak himself coming back from injury, you could tell he was a good yard or two off it. Um, He looked really, really rusty, so it's a wee bit kind of... Unfair to judge him on that, considering he, he didn't get off to a good start. He says there that he wants to, obviously, uh, sorry, Michael B, he wants to have good combinations up front and he needs to be connected. Um, uh, and amongst that, I have to say it was something that I'm very critical of Antonio Cholak for. I don't think his uh, interlinking play and his hold-up play is, is good enough. I, I, um, I actually stand by that. However, I, I also have to say that it was much better against Kilmarnock. But it comes down to that um, age-old chestnut, done not it, Dave? Just because you can do it against Kilmarnock doesn't mean that you can do it against the, the, the
1: games that actually really, really matter to the Rangers. So, he, he, he does have a lot to prove. I he's still got some way to go for me to prove that he's a, a proper line-leading first-team Ranger striker. Uh, he, he went through that purple patch of goals. we we'll need to see if that comes back. But, for me, the drop-off and hold-up play for him to Morelos is, is pretty substantial. Although, at the game I didn't really Think we played that well, but having watched the highlights back and watched bits of the game back, it's basically two assists for the first two goals. He leads the line quite well and he holds it up. But It's just his, his pace and mobility sometimes let him down for me. But I, uh, uh, as good a performance as you can expect, but as against a team that are fairly sort of dismal. And if it wasn't for Dundee United, would be bottom of the league. So I let's not get too carried away. But uh, his press conference is very anodyne, it could have been written by Chat GPT, just basically. Sort of platitudes. I've just discovered Chat GPT um,
0: and uh, Chat uh, sorry Chat GPTs are it. I've just discovered that, and I think we can have a lot of fun with it. Um, something that I think we should bring as a section to the podcast every week at some point because it's it's actually <laughs> it really is it's, it's fantastic. Um, Michael Beale then arrived, and here's just some of the key points the kind of key headlines from him. He said that he came in with his eyes wide open and in the main aware of what could uh, what would come if things didn't go exactly to plan. He believes the side can improve a lot more and it's his job to deliver that. Regarding any support or unrest, he's not concerned as the fans are entitled to voice their opinion and make their feelings known. In football, you just have to keep moving forward to play the game in front of you. Players are never perfect, but he feels these Rangers players will win enough games to be successful. He said he should be judged on whether Rangers win trophies. And it was finished up with all my in all my time at Rangers, I don't remember a time when it wasn't an important week. I can certainly remember a few times well or a few weeks it went not an important week under Stephen Gerrard, uh, to be honest, especially at the back end of seasons when we're out both cups and we're no obviously in any running for the league title either. So they're they're no exactly important weeks. Um but that's not to be I I think that's been ultra ultra critical and, and kinda of nitpicking a little bit. So I'll go to the other points. Uh players are never perfect, but he feels these Rangers players will win enough games to be successful and he should be judged on whether Rangers win trophies. A little bit oxymoronic there because uh, it was only last week we lost a trophy with these very same players. And I also get Dave, uh, we've spoken about us plenty of times, but I also get he can't just come out and say oh, these players are shit and blah, blah, blah. But it was pretty much at that point last week after the Celtic game and, and his press conference, uh, his pre-match press conference against uh, Comarno, where he's talking about there's going to be a bit of a clear-out, there's going to be a summer rebuild, and now it's back to the play- these players, I believe in these players. It's, um, there seems to be a good bit of this for Michael be He says one thing and backtracks another, because I can also point out about how he said that Celtic have got this massive advantage and we can't compete with them. And then after the game against Kilmarnock, he said that the, that was slightly misconstrued. What he meant was it's they've got a, a, a bigger financial gap, but he, he believes that he can compete with Celtic because he just has to be a bit more cleverer. Uh, some, sometimes... Uh, I never thought I would actually say this Um, I I yearn for a Geo press conference (laughs) nothing is said even though he talks a lot but nothing is said Um, because this is the kind of stuff that he'll get away with just now um, because he's got enough credit in the bank now but if things start to go tits up this is the kind of stuff that the Rangers fans will hold against them and hold them to hold them to standard, uh, because I said it uh, last week. Obviously, Gio said after Ajax, uh, we we just can't compete, and and that was widely widely panned, and it was almost the beginning and end. And then obviously, Bill said that we can't compete with Celtic. And that's that's a whole different. I, I think that's slightly worse, or, or albeit he, he slightly corrected himself. So I suppose what I'm saying is he really needs to start thinking about what he's saying in these things because people are starting to really over-analyse it. People like me and
1: you, obviously. Aye, uh, but in Scotland, we know what happens up here. Every utterance is picked apart and willfully misconstrued by the mainstream media. We know who I'm talking about and they've they done it to Pedro, they done it to Mark Warburton a wee bit. They couldn't really date to Gerard so much, couldn't they date to Joe because they never said anything of any great note, but they they pick it apart and they create a kind of narrative around the club. Can I just say,
0: stayed, just to interject there, but do you know realise that the partner, you obviously bring up five guys, Warburton, uh, Pedro, Bill, Gio and Gerald. The two guys that they couldn't do it to were the two most polished um, uh, media operators, and Gio and Gerald, they've been around the block, they've seen it, they've done it. They've won Champions League, for God's sake. So isn't that a case that it's a lack of experience from the three that you mentioned? First, Pedro, Warburton, Bill. and then you look at Gerrard and Gio, they they know the score, they know how to deal with it.
1: I think there's a, there's a number of factors, I think you're right. There is a number of factors. I think it's the, the respect he carries players is one thing. The training they've had is going through their careers in the public eye in a way the other guys never is a factor. And managerial experience or, or kind of experience of... Been in the limelight a wee bit Because You know what Pedro was the worst for it He As every utterance get picked apart And it creates a kind of mood And it creates A kind of atmosphere Around the club And that's what puts you into crisis Because the fans Feed off that The media coverage And react to it I believe So he needs to Calm it down a wee bit uh, Bill Some of these things he, He's like You can't You not say that You just can't. He needs to learn to be a bit Cleverer And Start to convey the message he wants But without saying it In the way he's saying it Because it is going to get scrutinised and it's going to add to pressure. If we were to lose to Celtic in the next game and he's already said we can't compete, that just creates a mood amongst the fans that is difficult to turn around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that entirely. Uh, So the next kind of talking point uh, for me is is quite a big one. We are playing on Wednesday uh, at Easter Road. Rangers have games particularly at Easter Road they're always powder keg they're always good games even if it's low in quality there's always flashpoints, talking points some controversy it's always good TV um, and obviously Celtic are playing uh, Hearts at home so we've got first versus third we've got second versus fourth it's the top two games uh, in Scotland you can't get any better games unless Rangers are playing Celtic and, and Hibs are playing Hearts on the same night or the same weekend and um, and there is no there is no live coverage of it on the national broadcaster Sky Sports, or, or, or the broadcast partner for the Scottish Premier League eh, Premiership. Sorry, now um, understand there was some complex um, complexities around that. Obviously, with, with uh, the Champions League being in the same night, um, and there's a blackout, a, a legal blackout, if you will. Um, but there, there's so many things to get into here. The Sky Sports are, are showing Chelsea versus Brighton, the women's Chelsea versus Brighton women's. Um, and that's no disrespect to the women's game. That, to me, is, is you know, that's fair enough. But this, this is what gets on people's go, really, because the the women's game in isolation, if you, if you look at it from this point of view, uh, cause I, I don't think it needs discussed, the actual women's game. But what I will say is this is, this is where I think the the growth of the women's game will either uh, regress or or start to sh- um, grind to a halt. And that is they're clearly trying to uh, grow that game, and I understand that, and it's it's a very admirable thing. Dave, me, and you have the daughters, so obviously we we can see it from that point of view. Well, they they should be given a platform to express themselves the same as men uh, or boys, so that that's fine. But what what I feel is going to end up happening here, Dave, is this is the kind of thing that will start to really piss off the football fans or the or the, ma- the male football fans when their team their teams aren't being shown and the women's team are and then it it causes an unnecessary and by the way an unfair resentment because i've seen a lot of that especially on social media where there's quite some derogatory comments towards it and i get that it's an english game and we are obviously in scotland but it's the the point stands so that's the first point i'll make the second point i'll make is obviously I'll come back to the Champions League. Well, if a Champions League game is shown, technically we can't show a game live on TV in in one of the top leagues. And then obviously I'll point to the English Championship we'll be playing live on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um the EFL are prepared to pay the fines for that. Um, and then obviously one of the other arguments is because there was English Premier League games played uh I think it was last week or the week before when there was Champions League games on and that was because that was a rearranged fixture which is allowed. So if a fixture was rearranged and it was meant to be in telly in the first place and that clashes with the Champions League, you can then do it that way. So I suppose where my real grievance is here is the SPFL. Why have they arranged for... They they have purposely arranged for these sets of fixtures to be of the same night that the Champions League will be played when over the... I think it's over the last two weeks, Dave. Um, obviously, there, w- there was three weeks. So Rangers and Celtic, Hibs and Hearts had three three weeks that we could have played it then. understand the Champions League was last week as well, but the week before that, we certainly could have played then. Um, that there was a free uh, slot in the calendar to do it then. But they've actually purposely arranged it for this. Now, what that does is two things. Uh, uh, it creates... In theory, the SBFL will look at it and say oh, that that means attendances will increase. I don't actually think it will because there'll be many people who think, "Nah, why watch a Champions League tonight? Fuck! I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to watch my team in the freezing cold on a Wednesday night at quarter to eight when I can be sitting in my nice warm house watching a bit of standalone football." So you'll have that, and then the growth of the game. You know, as I said, the the, the two of the biggest fixtures in in our league are are on a complete blackout. I just do not get it at all. Alison Conroy get involved um, on the thread that that I that I'd started. She said that there's a quota that has to be met and it can't be over met. So, for example, only four games can be shown at Easter Road every season. Only four games can be shown at so. I'm just using four as an example. be five or six.
1: So uh, just what be- happens? What happens if Hearts or Hibs put together a title challenge? Exactly. Exactly. That's, exactly, that's exactly. They've, what I'm they've played Rangers and Celtic, and then they're playing each other in the last day of the season. Dave, the way I see as it, it's Sky going
0: on? Oh, no, we can't show too much. Like I don't understand the the or reason is it maybe to try and create not create a disparity between Hibs and Livingston because obviously more games will be played at Easter Road and they will be played at Tony Macaroni live on TV, so more money would go to Hibs instead of Livingston. Is that maybe what they're trying to do? Just as a pure example, obviously.
1: Possibly, but it just seems wrong-headed. The whole deal is farcical and by some distance the lowest quality of any comparable league in Europe. So I was looking at the, the the details of the deal and the number of games, but it's the fewest games. It's the smallest amount of money for a comparable league, but it's the fewest amount of games as well. So if you look at... I, I said this the other week the pod, I was in Holland recently, and every single game was live that, that weekend. Like, every pub you went into. We're showing the games all weekend wall-to-wall football there's 300 odd games a season screened there and and in belgium and so on there's only 48 spl games so that's one reason the cost per fixture is low as well and to, for me it's it comes to the top there is no way you can tell me that there are other leagues have the pool of scotland with rangers and celtic and a huge global diaspora so the portuguese league again i've cited this before The top three clubs there get £30 each per year for selling their their deals directly. Porto, Benfica and Sport Lisbon, £30 each and they sell them to a Portuguese broadcaster now. That's only probably getting shown in Portugal. I'm not really aware of huge expat Portuguese populations in America or Australia. I don't think there's a NASA equivalent for Benfica. I don't think there's an Orsa equivalent for Benfica. So we've got a bigger global audience and probably a more compelling product with the language. Been the same in these countries as well, and generally, as I say, the diaspora and ex Premier League players playing in Scotland, and there's usually a bit interesting. The product can is marketable. You get Rangers and Celtic tomorrow. You've got the kind of diet versions of the two derbies, Uh which should be showcased live, and they're just not. So, whatever factors are at play, my view is that the TV deal was artificially depressed in Scotland, and. If you want my opinion as to why, I would say that there are certain bodies within Scottish football for whom it suits to have less money coming into the game to make the league less competitive. So you can read between the lines with that if you want. I just can't understand why it's so outrageously bad and doesn't stand up to any kind of comparison with any kind of comparable league. I mean, so so there's a blackout, right? I, I'm not too sure about that. I don't know who, who enforces that, who levies the fines, who prevents it what's to stop the SPFL saying well nah fucky we don't we're not agreeing to that we're going to sell we're going to sell our product on YouTube we're going to monetize it differently we're going to let clubs steam this within the UK we're going to deregulate a TV deal and democratise it a bit and let clubs sell their own product if it was on Hibs TV tomorrow they would make a fortune because we would all pay for it I was going to say that the,
0: the the fact that the option to even sell these games individually isn't even there. Obviously, during COVID, it was there, and there was talks that we, that we would have a wee bit more kind of leeway with that. And I think last season we actually did as well, but it seems to have completely stopped this season. Um, and t- to your point, obviously about who this um, benefits the most of it. Well. I actually think we're on the verge of a massive change in Scot- Scottish football over the next decade because I can see not don't I can't talk for Celtic but um, th- there's obviously a, a legal requirement there for Rangers to allow the SPFL to sell the rights to their games, but I can actually see Rangers, for example, challenging that and looking to do what Porto Benfica um, and Sporting Lisbon do and look to actually get their own deals because I believe uh, you you know this better than me obviously having stayed in Spain at one point in your life, but I believe that's what Real Madrid and Barcelona used to do. They used to individually sell the rights to their games, and La Liga were pretty much um, over a barrel with that. They couldn't do it, and I think it's changed now ever so slightly, but I think that's... I honestly can see over the next decade, when this TV deal comes to uh, comes to an end, um, I can see Rangers being the kind of pioneer for that and just going, you know what? We're going to split away from the media rights here and we're going to sell it ourselves, and I think we'd be better off because even if Rangers done it in-house and you had to subscribe, you know, 20 quid a month, just say. That's probably more than a Sky Sports subscription. I thought the uptake in that would be absolutely massive, and you would see that we would get the complete benefit of that. And I actually think that's the way it's going to go, because this TV deal is an utter shambles. This is now the second game Rangers have played in Edinburgh in a matter of weeks where the game hasn't been shown live. I mean, it just is... It's just mental, and yeah, no disrespect, but you'll probably find over the next couple of weeks, Motherwell and St. Mon will be on in a Sunday. How is that going to sell the game?
1: I know it's it's mystifying to me as I say. Try not to be a conspiracy theorist, but you've got to go right. Why is this being held back? Why is the SPFL resisted attempts at reform? Why has one club put up barriers particularly around attempts to reform? We've got spam emails and rousing speeches going on. There seems to be an un due amount of leverage held by one particular club and my view is that they artificially suppress it to reduce competitiveness in the league and the only way that's going to change as you say is if Rangers do something bold which is really for me looking at the kind of future and we'll on onto the board we'll get three realistic options one break away and do our own TV deal and accept the consequences of that which might be financial but hopefully there's a big upside in terms of the money we would make two leave the SPFL entirely which is my preferred option and throw our hat into the ring with a European Super League Uh, or to bridge the financial gap that Michael Beale spoke about substantially redevelop or move from Ibrox which is obviously an extreme extreme solution but something's going to have to be done to one redress the balance but two satisfy customer demand as you say, that there's no need in this day and age when I mean, ten, fifteen years ago, I was uh, as you mentioned, I lived in Spain, so I was kept up with games for there, and you had to stream them, and it was really 2010, dodgy, poor quality. You had to be a quite tech savvy to do it. Now you can, your dad can get games on his phone within two minutes just by clicking a link in a WhatsApp chat. It's the technology's there, the infrastructure's there. Everybody's got the means and the ability to do it. The fact that the SPFL. One, accept this TV deal, but two, have they gone, right, how can we do this properly? How can we do it on YouTube? How can we do other channels? And how can we get this game to as many people as possible? Because, see if it's I guess it's like a slightly different conversation, but the game up here could be marketed in a way. We try and make it with a mini English Premier League, which is just one though. Play up the madness and mayhem of Scottish football. Play up the daftness and say, you won't watch this because it's fucking mental. you see all sorts... Steve, For example, recently, Stevie May sliding his ass to score a goal. You, you'll see things and there's a bit of intensity to it that's a compelling product. But the SPFL seem utterly uninterested in leaning into that. Even though it's part of the Scottish culture and society, we're a bit gallus, we're a bit mental and utterly uninterested in any kind of technological innovation that would get the product in front of mere people. Just to round it off,
0: Dave... Um... A comment about the the women's game, my point on that, can you see how how that can manifest itself? How this could create, obviously, resentment towards them, in a way, purely no fault of their own, because obviously they seem to be getting um, preferential treatment?
1: I think you'd, you'd have to take quite a simplistic look to conclude that that it was an a either-or, and I mean, as you say, the blackout thing, as soon as you find that out, it's not really a, an either-or type thing. The women's game will stand and fall in its own merits. It'll be uh, watched if it's good and people pay to see it, or if it's not good, they won't. So I'm not too concerned about that. It'll sort of find its level, I think, the women's game. And it's as I say, people will watch it. I I choose not to watch things like Chelsea women, but then again I choose not to watch Serie A, I choose not to watch the Bundesliga. I just don't have time to consume that much football. So it'll stand in its own Two feet as a as its own product, I think.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so Habs, looking at head to Habs, uh, they've won four in the last five games, three wins in the bounce. They're now up to fourth, f- five points behind Hearts. So they've been a pretty good run of form. Them at Easter Road's never easy. However, a form there and over the last couple of years has been very very good actually. Um, I think you need to go back to the Championship season to to find the last defeat there. Uh, Kevin Nisbet's back. Coming back ever so slowly. I don't think he'll start on Wednesday. Um, the, the, other, the, the other boy up front, Ellie, Ellie um, who seems to be hitting a right good run of form. So he's one to look out for. One thing I do want to talk about, Dave, is again not getting into conspiracy theories or anything like that, but it really just it really does annoy me the the double standards when it comes to. Uh, teams' approaches against us to uh, in, in and in, in comparison to their approaches against uh, the other mob, and as Lee Johnson said that Rangers are there to be got at. He's going to have a right go because he feels he can get something from the game. Compare and contrast that to his interview before the Celtic game a couple of uh, a couple of months ago, where he's just begging Celtic up and he's like a phenomenal team. What was it he said? Um, it's like trying to race a Ferrari and a Fiat Punto uh and then after the game he was like oh i told my players to go into that dressing room and speak to those celtic players to get hints and tips on how to how to better yourself and yet with rangers uh who by the way we're on track to have a third best ever season points points wise still won't be enough i don't think but think about that we're on track to have a third best ever season point wise um Lee Johnson thinks that we're vulnerable. I I just don't get the shift in attitude because surely if you're going to have that attitude towards Rangers you should have that attitude towards Celtic. Um, And this has always been my kind of pet peeve I think a lot of teams are already beat before they take to the field against Celtic albeit the relentlessness of Celtic will eventually break you down but getting into these games with that attitude against them compared to the attitude against us is just again it sounds very conspiracy theory and it sounds very kind of tin and and uh, the world's against us and stuff but the, the evidence is there look back to what I just said it's like trying to race a Ferrari and a Fiat Punto against they're there to be got at I believe we can get some.
1: Aye, it's you know what you're getting when you go to Easter Road. It's that attitude. I'd love to know, right? I'd love the, the the stats data must be there. I wonder if Rangers can get good access to hips like GPS data tracking. I wonder how much of that is public. I would love. I would pay myself to get this, this data on sprints and distance covered and compare teams' approaches to us against Celtic because I bet it's after charts. It's certainly after charts of compared to their performances against each other, the sprinting effort you watch, sports scene, and the, the game's played that a kind of amble, they kind of walk about and there's occasional bursts of action, whereas even Kilmarnock yesterday, it's non-stop intensity, they they don't give you a minute, the, the, the concentration levels are so high that they make surprisingly few unforced errors, there's constant sprinting and covering, even... He mentioned that I coached my daughter. One of the things I've been working with them is not, they're under 12, so try not to bunch up and cluster. And Penelope said at the game the other day, Daddy, the Kumarnik, the yellow team, the yellow team are all clustering together like you tell us not to do. And I'm either <laughs> they're just putting eight guys between the posts to stop us scoring. So the, the, the low block, the intensity, the way they all put their bodies on the line, it's. It's just something we need to deal with. And it's something this team hasn't been great at dealing with, I don't think, is matching intensity levels. If the game's a kind of dull affair and it's not played at any intensity, as it was during COVID, closed doors, Rangers will come out on top. It's when the crowd are up under the lights, they think they've got a chance, and they start with intensity. This Rangers side, balk at that challenge sometimes. So for me, going into games, you want to try and make it as flat and stayed as possible and turn it into a game where individual quality will win rather than turn it into a pulse pounder where effort and intensity are rewarded but as you say the difference in approach the difference in standards the data must be there to see what the difference is and it would shame clubs if it ever came out two in particular our our opponents tomorrow night and our friends in the north would be utterly, utterly shamed if that data was ever made public I'd be willing to bet
0: I don't think they would be shamed, I think they would be a badge of honour to be honest with
1: you if, uh, <laughs> I probably
0: But aye, uh, it's, it's nonetheless, it will be a difficult game, always is uh, Hearts, uh, sorry Hibs as I said, on a right good run of form at the moment they've actually done really well to even be in fourth place because the last time I actually checked the league um, I think they were sitting in the bottom six, so yeah, they're, they're, doing, they're doing quite well, I looked for their team Dave they're literally, I, I, I couldn't tell you much about their team, it's just full of Players from a lovely shot, English Law League, someone from the continent, um, your usual suspects no longer there, like your Porteus, as I say Nisbet will probably feature at some point but he's going to be on the bench. So it's, it's really hard to kind of pick up a danger man, I picked up Yuan because obviously um, he has been scoring the goals recently but if Rangers play their game, Rangers turn up, Rangers do what we know they're capable of doing. Over a ninety-minute spell because has, this has to be a ninety-minute performance. We won't get away with our first-half performance unless we do get three goals um, in the first half. Uh, it, it should it should be three points to the Angels.
1: Aye, I mean we should be centre-stall out regardless of they on a font. Go there and get maximum points. They have. I looked at the form table coming at this. I don't really pay much attention other than that. But I was surprised to see that they had sorted it out because Johnson looked as if he was maybe on the way out at one point, but he seems to have rallied them and. As I say, you know what you're going to get, intensity, playing with width, playing high, trying to press you, trying to get the crowd onside. Obviously, they've not got their poster boy for Neddery Porteus anymore, so hopefully that ratchets the intensity doing a wee bit. But, uh, I mean, for all the performances we've been up and down lately, we are still on a good run ourselves and grinding out wins, even in difficult places. So there's no reason to suspect, there's no reason to be pessimistic about tomorrow, I don't think. No, absolutely not,
0: absolutely not. Um, so that pretty much runs off the, the the actual preview itself. There is a, obviously a significant bit of any other business that we're now going to get into, Dave. And th- this is going to be. It's, it's, I warn you now, if you're listening and you're looking for balance, you're you're probably not <laughs> going to get here because it's me, and Dave, and we do actually agree on this. Uh, spoke to producer Andrew. Asked him to come in for some balance. Even he said that he agree with me and Dave. So I, I, you know, it's uh, it's perplexing what what we're about to talk about. It really, really is. And I was surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I should have expected this. Um, I'm obviously talking about Stuart Gibson's interview with uh, the fellow Rangers podcast network. This is iBrox. Now, if you don't know who Stuart Gibson is, he's one of the investors. Um, he doesn't sit on the board, but he's a sort of kind of background investor who props us up every now and then. He, he will. I think he's given some loans in the past um, and he does own some shares as well. So he's a pretty significant figure within the Rangers boardroom so this isn't the comments of a man whose opinion is worthless this is there's, there's some substantial worth behind what uh Mr Gibson has disclosed today and uh Dave is just a, a, I mean let's just we'll get to it first of all we'll talk about uh we'll talk about the Sydney friendly first uh because Ross Wilson could that, that could go on for a while so he obviously this. You know he's, he's saying Bizgrove's done a good job. His jobs to bring money on the table, and he's done that. He's done that very well. I think that's. I don't. I don't think you'll find many will actually disagree with that comment in isolation. I think that's pretty accurate because he has. I mean, you just need to look at the other commercial growth over the last couple of years. Um, when it comes to James Bizgrove, I've always said it just needs to be managed better. Uh, Bizgrove will sell anything that's not nailed down, and that's that's <laughs> that's up to his superiors to say James no we're not selling this, or James, no, we're not being partners with them. However, explore this avenue, explore that avenue. That 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 is literally, it's not even um, a hard HRM approach that you're asking um, for, for James, uh, James Bisgrove to be managed with. It's, it's literally a soft approach, just guiding him in the right direction and he will go away and he will make us money. So I think any angle towards James Bisgrove is a bit misdirected, but obviously people are very, Um, strong in their feelings at the moment when it comes to the Rangers non-executive board so um, I will counter that by saying I do understand the scattered gun gun approach towards uh, basically everyone on that board Um, however he was talking about the Sydney friendly. Um, if you're unaware of what we're talking about there, where have you been? But obviously, I'll just quick recap. Rangers agreed to go down under to Sydney to play in the Sydney Festival Cup during the World Cup break, along with Celtic and two local Australian teams. Um, Rangers were going to be given £3 million just for making this appearance to play two games, one against one of the local teams, and then the grand finale would have been an old fun game down under. Um, so... The issue we're at was obviously Ange Postecoglou as Australian. Me and Dave spoke about this in the group chat earlier. Like, there is no doubt about it. This isn't me sucking up Ange's arse. It's, it's literally a fact. Ange Postecoglou is Australia's most successful football manager ever. He is. And that that's just that's just a fact. He's won um two league titles in two different continents. He's won a third league title in the continent of, of Australia. Um and then obviously won the Asian Cup with, with Australia. So he's got a, a a pretty big resume. Dave you obviously said he's a very, very popular um football figure down under. So the Rangers board naively accepted an excuse by the Sydney organisers to say this wasn't going to be an an Ange-Poste-Coglou-loving and then we were told that it would be branded an Old Firm game and it would be a joint announcement by both clubs. Celtic stole a march; they announced it first, there was no Old Firm uh, branding, it was Glasgow Derby again, it was like the Glasgow Derby Down Under, so um, Rangers used that as an excuse to pull out, saying that they uh, obviously... Negated upon the contract that was agreed, but I think Rangers pulled out. Rangers would have went ahead with it regardless, but they had to pull out because of the fan pressure. And uh, Short Gibson described this as James Bisgrove playing a blinder, and there would be no issue if Rangers had been on to win the league. Now, I, I have to take issue with that comment because this tournament was uh, organised in December. Rangers were top of the league, Um Get into, get into this uh, no no sorry we weren't, we weren't. Uh, he, he's talking that if Rangers won the league the, the season before we would have done it anyway uh, so what he's saying is it was Gio's fault for us not taking up this opportunity which compl- he's, he's just completely dismissed the elephant in the room no one wanted it to happen because we did not want to be reduced to a sideshow for a Celtic loving now, Dave, mean you spoke about this earlier on the group chat. I, I said to you, if this tournament was taking place in France, USA, Italy, England, uh, you know, anywhere but the national uh, the, the nations of the managers, which would, at the time was Australia and Holland, anywhere else other than Australia and Holland, no one would have cared anywhere near as much as we did. But it was an ang- it was it was an Ange love fest, and. Mr Gibson here has completely dismissed that. He's not even mentioned it. And in actual fact, he said that, that Busy Gross played a blinder. How out of touch can
1: you get? I, I mean, right. Whenever we get another board interview the song, and asked Andrew, to put it as the, the theme, the Bowie song, Always Crashing in the Same Car, which is a song about making the same mistakes over and over again and being unable to correct them. I mean, it was a car crashing interview again, and it's the same car crash. It's the same stuff, the same, and you described it best. I, the phrase you used earlier on Twitter was "gaslighting." I never, I never really knew what that meant until recently. This is exactly what it is. They're attempting to gaslight. It's they're telling us blatant. What, what seemed to me, I allege that they are untruths that he's he's saying there. Better kind of watch what I'm saying here. Um, but I mean, first of all, he talks about playing a blinder and a free option, and we got a free option to ever look at it and go in and then come back out. Now, my contract law is a wee bit rusty, right? But we have obviously committed to this. There is a good financial package on offer of £3 million or thereabouts. Stuart Robertson said it was worth more than winning the league or winning the worth more the TV deal. So it was somewhere in the region of £3 quid. I find it very difficult to believe that the organisers of this tournament would have set the con- contracts up in such a way that one party could commit and as far as get the branding done, the agreements in place, the fixtures officially announced, and then that party have the right to walk away without penalty when it suits them. So what I mean by that is I'm, I'm expecting legal action coming our way off the back of it. Because if, who, who took your place, Everton? Yeah, Everton Knight. So you've got Rangers and Celtic, or then you've got Everton. You've got a big draw, and then you've got a kind of sub. Celtic and Everton's not the same draw. And it it, it, it didn't, it went off with a bit of a whimper really because we weren't there. So there's that. The organisers have obviously put a lot of money behind it, That £12 million quid. The each team's getting the same amount, and we've been allowed to come in, lead them down the garden path, and then back out without penalty. I find that very hard to believe, and his words were that they were in breach of the contractual obligations. So the way contract law normally works, and it depends where this contract was signed, I imagine it would be under English law, because that tends to be What happens with international contracts, maybe Australian, which is principally the same sort of thing anyway. For a party to be entitled to walk away from a contract without penalty, there needs to be a fundamental breach by the other party that's material and goes to the heart of the contract. If we are alleging that their breach was not marketing it as the old firm or or actually marketing it as a postocoglu living, the marketing of the event doesn't go to the heart of the contract. It would have to be something material, like we were playing in fucking red ash or something. Like it would have to be a significant breach, or we were playing Aussie rules. Those would be material and significant breaches of the contract. Not, or oh, the posters were wrong, or the tweets were wrong. That's not going to substantiate the the, the claim that we've made. So at, my suspicion is that we're going to have to pay for that. So it's not a free hit if that comes to pass. It's not a free option. Actually, I don't I don't know what he's chatting about there. I, I, I'm a director of business, and there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? I don't know what he's having about. So that bit kind of mystified me and it seems to be that he's just trying to sort of pull the wheel over fans' eyes. And again, we've gone into something blind. They've not tested the ball with the fan base. It's going to cost his money and it's not a free hit and he's not played a blinder, fundamentally. I, I just, I find that bit very hard to to digest and accept as fact. I could be wrong. Take my words away. A grain of salt, but that's my reading and understanding of it and I reckon it'll be... Uh, consequences for us Stitched up Bizgrove
0: a little bit for me Uh, Bizgrove's job is to bring money to the table and it needs to be signed off probably by two individuals probably by Robertson and then probably by Park or Bennett Um, how this wasn't stopped at either sign off process I will never
1: know I think what they've done is, see the Viola Cup we were both involved in, I think that was testing the water for it. But that was in France and we never even fucking played it. Aye, but I think they, they just get us in the same city at the same time, was just to see how it would pan out with fans to see if it was any murmurings. I felt at the time, this is a wee test, just to, just to start the, sowing the seeds of this idea. Because, to be fair, and again, talking about commerciality, see if Rangers and Celtic, well, I, I wouldn't endorse it because Celtic's Old room strategy seems to be to fuck Rangers over at every turn rate, right? but see if there was a money-spinning friendly for us every year, and and all other things being equal, we would be foolish to turn it down. It's a good commercial opportunity. I would accept playing them in New York or Dubai or Hong Kong or whatever once a year if it was a few quid in the coffers for Rangers, and you'd yeah. have to be you'd have to be fairly sort of blinded to it's turn a, that down.
0: It's, it's the circumstances. The what was going to happen was, if this went ahead, we would have played Celtic before the game. the Cogley would have come out with a trophy, rubbed on her face. Celtic may or may not have beaten us, but after it, it would all have been about Celtic again. And Rangers were just a complete sideshow, as if we... Uh, almost the, I don't know, the supporting cast to sort of hoist them up and go look at them. We're the losers, we're the guests. And, and yeah, this, for me, has always been the case. Uh, I'm not going to move from this. This decision falls squarely at the door of Stuart Robertson. I don't blame Bisgrove for this. Um, I don't think Bisgrove will do something like this ever again. I think he's learned from it. Um, Bisgrove's job is to get money. But how Stuart Robertson thought this was a good idea, um, I will never, ever know. And it just shows you how, how out of touch he is with the Rangers fans. And quite sadly, the same goes for... The executive board, the owners, Bennett and Park, they should have, they should have, they, they should have had Robertson by the neck up against the wall, man, and saying, what the fuck are you, are you try trying to embarrass us, but instead, they were quite happy to go ahead with it, and it was, I, uh, it's, there's there's a back pattern culture at Rangers when it comes to that higher level executive and non executive board. Um, there there seems to be a clear direct correlation between the two that you're doing a great job. I know I'm sorry you're doing a great job. Oh, you're great on me, and that does seem to be the culture, and none more so than than Stuart Gibson's next comment that Ross Wilson is doing a good job. Um, I I for the life of me, I, I have to. Say, See, see if I'm going to look at it rationally, Dave. I'll look at it from the point of view that since Robertson's came in, eh, sorry, since Ross Wilson's came in, we've sold three players over 10 million quid. So we'll, we'll get what Nearly 50 million quid? No, well, no, over 40 million for Aribo, Patterson and uh, Bassey. And I actually think that's what he's living off. And Patterson was always going to be sold for that amount. That that had nothing to do with anybody other than Nathan Patterson. Joe Arebo was signed by Mark Allen. And Calvin Bassey, um, that's all 100% all work. worked. No one else, yeah, he can take credit for signing Bassey, but Bassey was just your everyday average left back when he came yeah he had a good physique but oh he was as raw as raw could be he needed to be fine-tuned to an absolute T to even get even think about recruiting the money we paid for him which was quarter of a million and yet Giovanni uh made him into a 20 million pound centre-back um so that was that was a tapping. Yeah, it seems to be. It seems to me, from the outside looking in, that that's what Ross Wilson is living off because there is literally nothing else. There is no other positives, and and that's not even me being hypercritical of Wilson. That's not even me even being personal. I'm, I'm calling it as it, as it is. How can you say anything else has been positive? Baligan, oh, he's been a good signing. He was a free signing. He done a job, I, but it's no. That's no. That's no massive, is it? Haji, mm, it's. Uh, on Haji rough disaster the signings this season disaster after disaster after disaster Uh, the Aaron Ramsey I mean not even just Aaron Ramsey the January window last season not one player is currently with the club anymore Uh, contract situation the medical situation uh, and with and, the medical situation, I'll digress a little bit more. Rangers completely revamped our medical department. We moved medical staff from the first team into the, the, the youth team. We then brought in some AI technology, which is, there's a clear link there between all the teams that use this AI technology and a, a, a tranche of injuries. I'm talking about Liverpool, Hull, I think Salt Lake. They've all had one of their worst injury crisis, crises in, in their histories, uh, and we're part of that. Um, so it, it's not just the players that Wilson signs or shite. It's not just the contracts that Wilson's not getting over the, the door or shite. It's not just the fact that Wilson brought Gio in when Bill was actually in the door and then he gets rid of Gio and then brings Bill back. Cost is basically the money that we got for Gerald. There, there there is a huge dossier of evidence going against Ross Wilson at the moment, and uh, Short Gibson said he's done a good job. Uh,
1: it's baffling. It's again gaslighting. Uh... There's been a bit more... We've been very vocal in our criticism of Wilson pretty much from the outset. I was worried when he came in because I researched his record at Southampton and uh, he's done nothing but prove me right on that front since the moment he came in. I I don't particularly give him credit for the Bassey thing. Bassey was found by Beal and Gerrard. They they even invited Leicester up for a friendly to get a look at him. Uh, uh, She sold three players. I mean, anybody could have sold day three players a uh, high talent performing at a high level in Europe. He's not negotiated 30 million for Morelos. That would have been a coup for him. He's not sold five or six fringe players for a couple of million pounds each i uh, I'll get guys off the books. He, he kinda seemed to do that. I mean different if he'd managed to move on, like I so say, Scott Wright for four million quid. I'd be gone, this guy's a fucking genius, right? Happy days. We can take SPL level players and turn them into money. Brilliant, there's none of that. I'd love to know by what objective metrics he's looking at Ross Wilson and going, this is a good job, because any way you measure it, as you've just done there, if you were to pad that out with stats and analysis, it would be even more dismal There can be no argument that he's done a good job in terms of squad building, in terms of building value in the squad. I mean, squad building in the sense of winning titles and cups, value on the books. The squad is pretty much valueless at the minute, unless somebody like Hadji ramps it up next season. We're about to lose or two, two of the biggest assets we've ever had in terms of transfers out. We had Kent and Morelos in their peak years playing European football, winning European football, attracting attention and we were unable to offload them and reinvest that money in the squad. That is an absolute death knell for him, for me, if nothing else. If those two walk, we're kissing goodbye to 40 million because they should have been sold for 30 and it's going to cost us at least 10 to replace the pair of them. Where's that money coming from? Because there doesn't seem to be any anywhere else. He has been dismal. The other part of his job, I don't care. So he could be doing behind the scenes stuff. We kind of get this this hint that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and he's revamped the culture at the the, the training ground. Or whatever Bollocks, I, I could not care less. His job principally is to get good quality footballers and make sure those footballers are kept healthy. The tools of Biel and Geo's trade are good quality, healthy footballers, and Ross Wilson can attract or achieve neither. If you were the fucking director of trolleys, at Asda, and all the trolleys had wheels missing and all the rank size, it was all the big IKEA ones for your messages, you would get fucking sacked immediately. He's padded the squad out with Ross. It continues a... to. <laughs> what? It's a broken analogy. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't get better. Like, it's all a fucking different size draw, isn't that broke? it? Broke. He's padded the squad out with Ross. It, it, the injury record now has gone beyond misfortune, bad luck, to being symptomatic of something that we're actually doing. We're still... We thought we were getting at it. We're still back at it. We Roof being out, we don't know if we'll... Holland does another one. He's going to walk for nothing needs uh, would replaced with just got Suter back, how long that lasts, we'll need to see. Every single way you look at Ross Wilson's job in terms of what he's brought to the, the club and that squad is a fucking dismal failure. He's actually, he's accelerating up the list of people who've damaged Rangers. He's new up there with green and white and people like that for me because of the damages. But the worst it is, I put, there's a kind of a very wordy and flowery C.S. Lewis quote about tyranny. And... The worst kind of tyranny is people who actually think they're doing the right thing. At least Bain and Murray openly acknowledged or didn't maybe didn't acknowledge, but they openly asset stripped and says no no we're just selling all these guys like Kenan Newman and Amoroso and you're getting fucking Emerson and Austin Stad and Olivier Bernard and you just need to limp it. They knew what they were doing. They knew they were downsizing. Wilson thinks he's doing a good job and his superiors think he's doing a good job. That means he's not going to go. They're not going to sack him. It's. It's fri- it's frightening if you think about it, and I-, I can only hope that the protests stay within reason, obviously, but I hope that they get louder and more vocal because Ross Wilson basically needs to be, I don't know, I- I- I'm obviously not advocating any kind of d- like unpleasantness towards him, but the-, the fans need to protest to a level that his job's untenable because we can see it, we can, we could. And if the protests come in the form of reduced season tickets and reduced income into the club, that's what's going to happen. Because people are not going to keep paying to see these half-baked threadbare squads stumble a second when we are actually spending sums of money. Davies 4 million, Matondo 3 million. There has been investment, but we are getting back so much less than we spend because of the, the dreadful quality that's coming in. And the buck firmly rests at his door. And that's successive directors now, or successive investors who've came and told us that, basically the sun shines out of Wilson's ass, I, I, I'm mystified, I would bring Martin Bain back and I'm, do you know what, I said that as a joke a couple months ago, at this point I'm not even fucking kidding.
0: Yeah he simply has to go, I don't think there's any question there, I think the protests will ramp up, I think that was the start of the weekend and I think that it's going to continue Um and I'm with you Dave, I, think, I don't think he'll be relieved of his duties anytime soon which means we're going to go into a, a crucial summer rebuild this summer with Ross Wilson heading that. and um, look either way we're going to get what we deserve it's going to be a masterstroke the board's faith in Wilson is going to be repaid tenfold and we'll go on and build a new Rangers team that will go and compete and win things and we will all be left to go right fuck, we get that wrong we obviously don't know what's happening in the background it, it has he's turned it around he's done a good job so we'll get what we deserve in that respect or what will happen alternatively is we will have another atrocious summer recruit um, re- recruitment drive it will go tits up we'll by Christmas next year we'll be eight points behind Celtic and we'll get exactly what we deserved so either way we will get what we deserve i don't believe we deserve better but the 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 decision lies with the that
1: do and see, you know, it's on them see if you look at his his record at southampton right i mean I, I i can't there's nothing in his track record to jesse's going to turn this run. if you look at southampton he came in and sort of it's 2017-ish they finished 8th, 7th, 6th and 8th. They had that good run of four or five seasons where they were climbing the table. They came back up, riding high, put a good team together, quite dynamic, load of European talent. We're looking in niche markets for players that was all coming together. Ross Wilson turns up and then they finish 17, 16, 11, 15, 15, and now they're doing at the bottom of the table again. That's on his watch and his legacy because he left them a valueless squad. And the same thing's happening to us. It's the, it's the exact same part repeating it. How long is it going to take for... I don't think we're quite a majority yet of fans who've woke up to it because, like I said at the start, a lot of fans, without criticism, are 90 minutes. They go, they don't think about it, they're not doing podcasts, they're not on Twitter every day. They're happy if we win, they're a wee bit sad if we lose. We need to get the message today, guys, because I, I would honestly, you could probably take a poll at Ibrox and I would reckon about half people don't know who Ross Wilson is. It's just not something to pay attention to. And again, that's not meant as a criticism, it's just how some fans' support of the club manifests itself. So, until those fans, the kind of silent majority, start to cop on and start to acknowledge the protests and participate, we're going to be stuck with. Them.
0: Aye. It's it's going to be interesting what happens
1: over the next couple of weeks. Uh, next I, love, couple of weeks. I love that we, oh, aye, yeah. sigh you day whenever I go No, but it's because I keep you. Yeah. Aye. It aye.
0: Be, but it's- uh, yes, um as I say, the next couple of months will be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I do believe that the protests will start to ramp up. Um, we've got a Scottish Cup campaign that is just I don't want to over um over egg anyway. I don't I don't think it's like the be on end though. This is a Rangers team coming to the end anyway. You know what I mean? So if they manage to sign off with a, another trophy, another Scottish Cup victory, good. Um, but it, I don't want to give the Scottish Cup this massive amount of over-importance, because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean that much. I mean, the league is the priority, always has been, always will be, and one Scottish Cup is not good enough. It was good enough last season, because obviously we're on the back of a European final, we're obviously quite clearly not going to have that this season. So, I do want to win it, but it's not the be-all and end-all for me, because as I say, this is the... It will be the final swan song for this uh, team anyway, so we'll see. But certainly an element of fans have put a lot of importance into it. And uh, if this Scottish Cup campaign fails, then yeah, I can see it getting pretty pretty vocal. Uh, It's one for a better word. Um, Speaking of the Scottish Cup, obviously our next game after the Hibs game is Rafe at Ibrox 1pm so we will be back this week to preview that game we'll also be back to review this game against him so hopefully we're talking about another three points on the board um so all that really remains for me to do is before i thank dave is ask you guys the listeners if you could like subscribe um or follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok youtube amazon music apple podcasts and spotify a wall brown producer and uh, producer andrew and then just be setting to wall provide you with the email but Dave, thanks very much mate
1: cheers mate pleasure
0: and uh thanks as always to producer andrew if you could kindly um supply me with the email or supply the listeners with the email please I- i'm supplying you both because you never remember it anyway it <laughs> is contact at dot at 3couk Thank you very much And uh, thank you to the listeners Uh, As always um, Your support and listenership Is very much appreciated We will be back with two podcasts this week Um, As I say uh, Previewing the Rafe game And reviewing this game against him So listen in then And join us in Thank you Always